Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. Jeremiah chapter 3. Are you guys ready for the word tonight? Good. <clears throat> Jeremiah, mighty prophet of God. There's so many messages out of Jeremiah that we could harvest tonight, and I really got to gain my momentum and go right where I feel the Lord wants to take me because there's so many messages that he releases over a backslidden Israel and a backslidden Judah, calling them to return unto the Lord. I'm going to begin to read in verse 6, Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 6. And the Lord said also to me in the days of Josiah the king, have you seen the backsliding Israel has done? She's gone up on every high mountain and under every green tree, and there has played the harlot. And I said, after she had done all these things, return to me. But she did not return. And her treacherous sister Judah saw it. And then I saw that for all the causes for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a certificate of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but went and played the harlot also. And so it came to pass through her casual harlotry that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and trees. They were, what, what, what's he saying? They were literally worshiping creation and they had uh, a worship of idols. That's what was happening. They were worshiping creation and also worshiping idols. And yet for all of her treachery, treacherous sister Judah has not turned to me with her whole heart. Look at that again. Has not turned to me with her whole heart but in pretense, says the Lord. How many of you know that you cannot fool the Holy Spirit? I want to ask that again. How many of you know you can't fool or dupe the Holy Spirit? You can't dupe the Lord. He knows if you're turning to Him with your whole heart or if you're holding something back. The Lord knows and looks at the heart of a man or a woman. Or I will say the Lord looks at the heart of a nation. Are you with me? The Lord was looking at a nation in backsliding, falling away into idolatry, falling away to worshiping their own selves and all of creation. Now he's denouncing their backsliding. And then the Lord said to me, backsliding Israel has shown herself more righteous than treacherous Judah. Go and proclaim these words towards the north and say, Return, backsliding Israel, says the Lord. And I will not cause my anger to fall on you, for I am merciful, says the Lord. I will not remain angry forever. Only acknowledge your iniquity, that you have trespassed against the Lord your God and have scattered your charms to alien deities. Wow, I, I wish I could go down that road and preach that tonight. I've got to stay very focused. 
under every green tree. And you have not obeyed my voice, says the Lord. Return. 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 O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. I will take you, one from a city, two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. And I will give you shepherds according to my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Hallelujah. Father, again, I bless this word. Let the power of the Holy Spirit be manifested during this time as we break open the bread of life tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. I heard the Lord speak to me a very peculiar word in 2020. I remember the day I went back in my journal, the day that He spoke this to me. And I want to lead to this word, but I want you to grab or just write it in your notes. And I want to give you some homework for this week. I want you to read Exodus chapter 2 this week. Would you do that? In Exodus chapter 2, what we find is Moses fleeing to the land of Midian. He flees to Midian. This is the desert country um, south of Judah. He's there for 40 years. This is where Moses meets a man named Jethro. He falls in love with Jethro's daughter, whose name is Zipporah. Moses is the prince of Egypt. He has now fled. Why? He fled because he murdered a man. Out of his anger, out of the struggle that was going on on the inside of him of his own identity. He was in the crisis of his own identity. I want you to hear that tonight. Moses was in the crisis of his own identity. Was he an Egyptian or was he truly a Hebrew? Was he a Jew or was he really an, Egypt, uh, an Egyptian? But out of, out of a burst of anger and rage because of this conflict and toil of his identity that was going on inside of him, he murdered an Egyptian man. You remember the story? He fled for his life. Little did he know when he fled... He would be in the wilderness and in the desert for 40 years. The Bible tells us he goes down into the land of Midian. He meets Jethro. He falls in love with Jethro's daughter, Zipporah. Moses becomes a shepherd. I want to read verse 15 over you one more time. And I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and with understanding. Before I go any farther, I want you to see something that these words of God, that what God says, I'm going to give you shepherds after my own heart. God is literally quoting himself. He's lifting something out of 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 14. And it's the most powerful verse. It's probably the most powerful declaration that could be crowned upon a man. And this is what God said of David. He said, David is a man after my own heart. Could there be anything more powerful declared over your life that you are a man or you are a woman after the very heart of God? Yet God says hundreds of years later to Jeremiah, he said, as I call a nation back to return out of their backsliding, 
as I call a nation back up out of their idolatry, as I call a nation back, there is something that is required. And what is required? He said that God said, part of the solution that you need is I have to raise up shepherds unto you that are after my own heart. And when I raise them up, they will actually feed the people of God with wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Why? Because these true spiritual fathers and true spiritual mothers are the ones who have fed and feasted on the very heart of God itself. I want you to grab hold of this tonight. And I heard the word of the Lord last year. And this is what the Lord said to me in 2020. He said, Brian, I am going to raise up faithful shepherds who will become national deliverers once again. Moses had no idea. He was running for his life. We can't imagine the transition that he went through from the prince of Egypt now to tending sheep, a humble shepherd in the mountains tending to sheep. Yet all the while, God knew his design and his plan that he had dreamt over Moses' life that I will take this man that is in such turmoil over his own identity and I will transform him into a man that will bring deliverance to an entire nation. This is a prophetic word to the church in this hour. To the church in this hour that God is going to raise up his ecclesia, his church to become a national deliverer. It's like fire in my bones. Woo! Two weeks ago when John and Jolene Hamill were here, when their friend Kevin Jessup came, Kevin Jessup is a mighty general in the kingdom of God. I was amazed that Kevin was here. Kevin will be back again soon. But when Kevin came over and began to speak over me right over here, and he said, he took hold of my shoulder, and he said, Brian, he said, you are a true shepherd. That didn't touch you like it touched me. The Lord is calling. Go ahead and go ahead and answer. Answer the call. The Lord is beckoning. The Lord is summonsing you. Take the call. And we're back. <laughs> no condemnation. My phone has went off too. Bob, is that you? We're raising your tithe to 60%. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Folks, that's a joke, okay? That's a joke. The reason why that meant so much to me is because when I was a young teenager, and I'll be 48 this summer. I'll be 48 next month. Well, thanks, buddy. <laughs> Appreciate that. I'll be... <laughs> 
I'll be, <laughs> I'll be 48 this summer, next month. But when I was a young teenager, and I had the pages of my Bible open to Jeremiah chapter 3, one afternoon, and I was reading, God branded, God branded that word into my spirit. I will raise up shepherds after my own heart, and they will feed you with knowledge and understanding. It was that day that the Lord began to speak to me that he would raise me up to be a shepherd. And it hasn't been a wonderful journey. It's been a very challenging journey. I never knew how much it would actually cost to be in the ministry. I didn't know how difficult it would be for the Lord to have to uh, discipline me discipline me as a son, how to learn strict obedience, how to learn how to be adaptable and changeable, how to humble myself before the Lord, how to be faithful to the Lord, how to come out from the world and touch not the unclean things, how to really come out from the world and not touch what everybody else was doing. It was very difficult early young teenage years, into my 20s, marrying my wife. We've been married now 26 years, full-time ministry. The ministry has been very challenging. Being a shepherd, very challenging. Most of you know we spent a lot of years on the road, traveling all over America and to different nations. And, it, you know, it was so much easier blazing into a church and staying five days and preaching every morning or every night and just going for it and leaving. It was a lot easier pastoring and being a shepherd and being with people it's much more challenging but i thank god for it i thank god for it the cry of my heart has been that god would make me a shepherd after his own heart that i would feed people with god's knowledge and understanding and his wisdom i'm going to hit a subject tonight that i believe is vitally important I want to talk to you for the next few moments about worldview. Now, those how many of you saw the torch this week? Okay, not bad. Well, good. There are times where I integrate and I will take some of the portions of the torch and I will integrate it into my message on Saturday nights. And I'm going to do that tonight, some of it. Because worldview is so vitally, vitally important. How does worldview affect your decisions? How, actually, let me ask this question. How has worldview impacted the decisions of our country to get us where we're at in 2021? Think about that. What are, what are the underlying values tonight of the dominant political platforms? We are presently in a time of great conflict for the vision of the United States of America, but also for something else, for the values of the United States of America. I want you to take some notes tonight. I want you to take some notes because I want to talk to you tonight about the crisis that we are in in a backslidden nation. I want to talk to you tonight about the crisis that we are in for winning a backslidden nation and calling out to America, return, return to the Lord. 
with all of your heart, not in pretense, but with all of your heart. We're in a conflict of who we want to be as a nation and how we want to live. And how is that decided? How do we decide like who we really are going to be and how we are going to live? It's determined really by your worldview. So I want to give you some keys tonight to consider as we talk about worldview and how it shapes our culture. And especially how we are in dire, desperate need for a Holy Ghost outpouring and an awakening and revival that will transform the United States of America. Come on, are you with me tonight? So a couple things. If you're taking notes tonight, we approach the subject matter concerning worldview. Number one, there's, there's absolute moral truth, number one. Now, what is that? What is absolute moral truth? Absolute moral truth means it is based fully on Scripture. It means your worldview is totally shaped and designed by the Word of God, which never fails. Can you say amen? But then you have something else. It's called emotional sovereignty. Write it down. Emotional sovereignty is all based upon your feelings. Okay? And we have a big problem with that amongst this generation. Is our philosophy this, that I will yield and surrender my life to the Word of God? Or am I going to be a person that if it feels good, I do it? If I am a person who is building my life by emotional sovereignty, I'm going to justify the means to get to the end, right? That's who I'm going to be. Now, obviously, we are amongst a generation. They are demanding what they want. How many of you know that? This generation is going to get what they want. They are obsessed with getting what they want. Actually, they are demanding their rights. You have those in America right now that respect and they honor our past. They honor our forefathers. They honor our patriots. They honor our constitution. They honor our bill of rights. They honor our institutions. They honor our customs that make America great. And I'm not talking about MAGA. I'm talking about there are people that believe in these pillars that I've just said. But then there are people who are opposed they have a desire to rewrite history. I call them the revisionist. You might remember these famous words from uh, an imposter named Barack Obama. He, he's the one who famously said, we must fundamentally transform and change the course of America. He's a revisionist. I will also say to you boldly, these are lawless people that are hell-bent on removing every sacred pillar of the United States of America. You mark it down, brother. You better know who's amongst us. And so we saw the burning of American cities. The last year and a half, we have saw the burning of cities. We've seen rioting. We've seen looting. We've seen personal violence over this last year and a half. We've seen the tearing down of our memorials to our founding fathers, memorial to true heroes desecrated and torn down in the streets of America from coast to coast. Patriots who gave their lives for freedom, 
They were taking down their memorials. We saw the rise of BLM, a total Marxist and socialist agenda and movement, demonically inspired. We saw Antifa arise that is still showing its evil head all over this country. I tell you what, these demonic cockroaches need to be put in prison. I'm not here to be politically correct. I have a question for you tonight. When you see the kind of behavior that we've seen in just the last year and a half, what are we learning from a big portion of Americans right now? I'll tell you. I'll answer the question. We are seeing a total disregard and a disrespect for human life. Psalm 11, verse 3. Put it in your notes. Psalm 11, verse 3. It says this. It says, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? Look at it again. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? Recently, I learned from George Barna. I don't know how many of you follow him. He's got such powerful data. But I learned from his data here recently that only 39, 39% of Americans believe that human life is sacred. Wow. Wow. Now, looking back over the 2020 election, the 2020 election, which produced a total fraud, the 2020 election that produced a total corrupt, illegal coup that we are presently under right now. What am I talking about? I'm talking about something that there is a people who have abandoned absolute truth because of their worldview. Where the end justifies the means. They will have their way. Do you understand that? We're dealing with people that will do anything to have their way. If it means they have to steal, they're going to steal. If they have to cheat, they're going to cheat. If they have to lie, they're going to lie. If they have to corrupt, well, then they're going to corrupt. If they have to mask, they're going to mask. If they've got to mask every one of our little children from coast to coast, they're not worried about it. They are a people who demand what they want. They will have what they want. They demand their right even if it is lawlessness. Are you listening to me? Are you with me? They did everything that they did in the shadows and under the cloak of darkness to put the person that they demanded had to be in that White House. But I want to tell you something else. Heaven was watching. And God is not duped. And neither are we. God has not been duped. Neither are we. I want to proclaim to you guys again. Once again, I'm telling you, righteous judgment and justice is coming upon the wicked in the United States of America. But there is coming a day of unstoppable praise and joy and worship amongst the righteous as God will bring vindication. It's coming. That day is coming. God is bringing vindication. Hallelujah. 
To these people, the rule of law means nothing. I want to say that again. To these people that we're talking about, when it comes to their worldview, the rule of law means nothing. The constitutional law means nothing. The Bill of Rights means nothing. These wolves are obsessed with having their way, and they'll stop at nothing to get it. They cheered on the burning of our cities. They're filled with lawlessness. They're drunk with lawlessness. Now, what we learn from these type of people is this. They believe that violence isn't wrong. We're talking about worldview. They believe that violence isn't wrong. The burning of our cities, rioting, looting. Are you guys with me tonight? For real, are you with me? You all right? So it isn't necessarily wrong to burn down cities if it produces what they wish or what they demand. Because again, the end justifies the means. So right now, the same spirit, the same spirit is burning down churches in the nation of Canada. If you are a watchman, if you are a watchman, you understand where this is going. And I pray that you will be awakened tonight by the Spirit of God to be moved into the spirit of prayer and intercession even greater for the conflicts that are coming in this hour. They're burning down churches. They told churches in Canada, they said, you will not meet. A pastor takes his church out of the building into the woods, into the wilderness, and has a worship service. And during that service, two police helicopters fly overhead, shut down the meeting, and arrest the pastor in front of his little children. This is really going on, folks. This is not some strange sci-fi movie. This is reality. Are you guys really with me tonight? I, I need to know. We have to be on the alert. What's very sobering is how the beliefs of Americans are actually favoring the Democratic Party and why they gravitate towards a certain type of leader. Now, you may not believe what I just said because you were like, well, no, there's no way. I mean, look at the Trump rallies. I mean, I walked out of this building and joined over 41,000 people at the fairgrounds last Saturday night. Over 55,000 people registered, re over 55,000 people registered to be at that event. And when I walked into the event, there was 41 to 42,000 people there, according to the news. But right now, there is a majority of American people that are gravitating towards a Democratic Party. I'm going to tell you why tonight. We're talking about worldview. We're talking about the crisis that we are in for the very vision of America. The crisis that we're in right now for the values of America. Why are they gravitating towards the Democratic Party? Why are they gravitating towards a Democratic leader? I mean, obviously, we can't even fathom, you know, they're really gravitating towards Joe Biden. I mean, Joe Biden's an absolute joke. But we're talking about their fundamental core beliefs. So I want to get down to the nitty-gritty tonight. Can I do that? Why are they doing that? Because their worldview, when you, when you go to the core fundamental values of who they are, about God, 
about absolute truth, about morality, about ethics, about honor, etc. Ultimately, it is about themselves. They're voting for a ticket about themselves, what they demand and what they must have as their rights as Americans. Are you hearing me? We got to have abortion on demand. If it means killing innocent babies, and you give me what I want. If it means stealing an election, we've got to do it. That's fine too. Watch this. If your values is choice, here's what you're going to be. If your values choice, well, then you're going to be pro-abortion. You're going to be pro-homosexual. If your value is choice, you're going to be pro-gay marriage. Of course. Uh, if you're pro-choice, you're going to be able to choose really any gender that you want. And we're so brilliant that we're up to over 80 right now at this point. You know that God created two genders, but Democrats created all the others. Did y'all do the math? So if you're pro-choice, of course, you're going to want to open the borders, right? Open the borders. People should be allowed to come in. Give the people what they want. Whether they come in legally or illegally, it doesn't matter. Give the people what they want. Are you seeing what I'm, what I'm preaching to you tonight? It is a total narcissistic belief system that is built on what they demand at their core value is what? I will be worshipped, not God. You see it? They say, I'll be worshipped. Give the people what they want. I want what I want. So if your value is choice, you will say that really there is no absolute truth. What it means is I determine my own truth for myself. You can have your truth and I can have my truth or my version of truth. That's like the doctrine of Oprah Winfrey. Don't try to put moral restrictions upon me. Are you guys with me? Don't try to put moral restrictions upon me. I am my own law. You know, that sounds a lot like Bible. It's in the book of Judges chapter 21. The book of Judges chapter 21 verse 25. It says in those days Israel had no king and all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Does this sound familiar? The people do whatever they want, whatever they call or deemed right or they deem truth in their own eyes. See, if your value is comfort, are you ready for this? If your value is comfort, then you're going to enjoy the government making all kinds of goodie bags for you. You'll be excited about the government, right? Because the government is willing, they're offering to make life decisions for you. Why? Why is that exciting? Because now it relieves personal responsibility on your part. And there is a people at their core, their value is comfort. And so if the government's going to do it all, it relieves all the anxiety out of their life, the pressure out of their life, the personal responsibility to work hard. And oh my gosh, I mean, should we ever really have to work hard? Why, why should we have a, a, an amazing work ethic? I mean, if we could just sit on our couch and just receive stimulus checks from the government and more and more candy, I mean, why do I need to go to work? 
We're still in this struggle. Guys, are you with me? We are still in this struggle right here in our city, right here, right here in our county. People are not showing up to work. I was at a restaurant the other day with my wife. I looked around at the absence of staff. I asked the waitress, I said, how are you doing? She's like, oh, and I said, no, no, no. How, how are you really doing? She just broke down in front of me and Brent. She said, I'm doing terrible. She says, nobody will come to work. I am so stressed. I am so stressed. Look around you. Look, look how low the staff is. I said, I have looked. I've been watching you. I've been watching just a few people in this building. She said, they won't come to work. They won't come to work. Guys, we are still in an epic struggle. Why? This goes back to the core values of a generation that is growing up in the United States of America right now. Do you understand? This is why we desperately need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, let me tell you what we need above all things. We need a revival and a return to the Word of God. We need a revival to the Bible. We need a revival to the Bible. There has to be the Word of the Lord heralded in the United States of America where people are not just doing what they deem right in their own eyes. They got to know there is a God that will not be mocked. There is still a God that holds men and women accountable for their lives. And our loosey-goosey uh, grace preachers, they won't applaud this message, brother. They think you can just do whatever you want. Step right on into heaven. No, 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 no. You got it wrong, Jack. Sorry if your name's Jack in here today. Sorry about that. Sorry. <laughs> are you guys still with me? Are you guys? God forbid we, we just have to work hard. God forbid. Do you see what this is creating right now? You see what this democratic agenda is trying to feed us right now the bullies are handing out candy so that it creates an appetite for socialism and an appetite for marxism and now the bullies are so hell-bent they're they're going to come door to door are you hearing me this is not about your health this is about control this is not about your health. This is about intimidation. This is not about your health. This is about domination. Jesus said, the church that I'm going to build, the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. We're not the church. It's just going to, we're not the church. It's just going to roll over and say, stick it to me. I'll have another Thank you very much, government. I'll have another. No, 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 no. That's not who we are. Yeah. So what if your value is entitlement? Now you're talking to me. I like this. I like when the church talks. What if you're about not too much? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's, it's my turn to talk, brother. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Pastor David and his wife are in the back. Am I right? Hey, come on. What if your value is entitlement? Okay. If, you're, if your value is entitlement, then you're going to be excited about welfare. You're going to be excited about Obamacare. 
<laughs> if you're excited and you believe your core value is entitlement, then you're going to be excited about the possibility of free college tuition. I thank God that I went off to Bible college, and I thank God that my wife and I paid off all of our student loans. I thank God that we worked hard in our young married life, and we paid off all of our student loan debt. I wouldn't trade that for anything. My goodness. Just give me, give me, give me. My name's Jimmy. Give me all you can give me. Why do we have this entitlement mentality? Why? It's because, it's because people say we're Americans and we deserve these rights. What if your value is experiences? Well, if your value is experiences, then sure, you can, you can go and have sex with everybody that you want. It doesn't matter if they're a man or a woman. I mean, why should we stop there? Why don't we just start the love train and go into children? Do you see where all of this is going? You can go out and have sex with anyone and everybody that you want. And concerning marriage, I mean, that marriage, I mean, marriage is a joke. It's, a, it's, it's old-fashioned. Who wants to get married? Who wants to have to have that commitment? I'm talking about your worldview. I'm talking about your values. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? So what is this? If it feels good, do it. If it feels good, do it. See, the evil that we are seeing right now is becoming the norm in postmodern thinking. It's all about your feelings. It's not about absolute truth. And it's not about a God who holds men and women accountable. They just look at us and they think that Bible stuff is a bunch of nonsense. They're the ones that are out there that are saying, hey, I can love whoever I want to love. Love is love. But I want to tell you something. The Word of God is not going to change for a perverted generation. This is either going to be your final authority or it's not. Now, I've said this many times. Believers in our generation, they're going to have to get a grip on something. Hear me really good right now, church, please. You're going to have to get a grip on this that either you have just mere preferences to the Word of God or the Word of God is alive and you surrender and yield yourself fully to the power of the Word of God. You surrender yourself to it. You can't clip and paste it. Thank you, Jeff. So what if your values is experience? Well, then, of course, you have the right to burn down buildings. Of course, you have the right to burn down cities and loot and, and destroy. Uh, uh, of, course you, of course, you have the right to shoplift and carry out five TVs. I mean, it's your right. You're an American. Right? And don't, don't even worry about getting arrested. Right? You'll be bailed out in less than five minutes. Why? How about this? We really don't want to set laws. <laughs> or we really don't want to enforce laws that will limit people's personal expressions.
Do we really want to rely on an old, dusty constitution? Do we really want to believe in the Bill of Rights? I mean, do we? I've said this earlier, folks. We think that we're evolving. We think we're smart. Are you all with me? We think we're so smart. We're evolving as people. Now we've got over 80 genders. Now we've got our scientists telling us that they have found bacteria on Mars. And because they found bacteria on Mars, that is actually proof of life. And then on Earth, a fetus that has a heartbeat is actually not proof of life in, the, in this planet. Aren't we brilliant? We're so evolved. We're so smart. We've got this. But you know what's really scary is that Americans are thinking this way today. And that is how the Democratic Party is winning so many gains in this country right now. Write this down. Did you know that the fastest growing faith movement in America is this? The fastest growing faith-based movement in America right now are called the don'ts. Number one, they're the don't care. Number two, they're the don't know and they're the don't believe. What does that mean? They don't believe. They don't care if God exists. They don't know if God exists. And they don't believe that God exists. Are you hearing me? And what's scary about the don'ts, they don't care. They don't know. They don't believe. These people are showing up and voting their conviction or their worldview. How did we get to the place where a generation was able to grow up with such a crazy, warped, jaded, perverted worldview? I'm going to give you one big key tonight. And the answer I'm going to submit to you tonight is because of a silent church. It is because of a silent church. The church has been almost invisible. Scared to stand up. Scared to speak out while all the while our population is getting all the more hungry for anarchy. And that appetite is growing. This is a hostile community, my friends. And the backlash for truth is always coming. Amazingly, unfortunately, many pastors across America, churches all across our nation, they really don't believe that God has called them to be a leader. Now, let me explain myself. You're like, you don't really believe that, Brian. Oh, I do believe it. Many, many, many pastors. Do you know how few pastors have stood their ground in the last year and a half during the biggest crisis of the United States of America? And they have been silent, totally backwards, totally recluced, wouldn't willing to not even willing to say anything about it, about anything that's deemed controversial. They've been totally quiet. They don't believe that God's really called them to be a leader for the United States. Why? God has called them into the ministry. And here's their ministry, preaching, teaching, and exhorting. Preaching, teaching, exhorting. That's their ministry. They've been called into the ministry. All the while, God is looking for leaders who are shepherds after His own heart that will feed the people with knowledge and understanding. All the while, while God is looking for leaders, shepherds after His own heart. 
We have too many so-called shepherds that are unwilling to say anything. So backwards, so intimidated, so intimidated. They're going to lose the butts in the seats. They're going to lose the money. They're going to lose their influence. They're going to lose their platform that they have. They've worked so hard to build their platform. I got news for you, folks. It's not about you. It's not about your platform. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's about the authority and the power of his name. It's not about the name of a man, the name of a ministry, the name of a church. I'm not here to protect my reputation. I don't have a reputation to protect. It's about the Lord's reputation in the earth. I'm trying, bro. Why is it that pastors go silent? Why are they weak? Why are they passive? Why don't they confront? Why don't they speak the truth? We've become cowards. There's a massive difference between a teacher and a leader. Remember what Paul said. He said, you have 10,000 teachers, but you have not what? Many fathers. He said, you have 10,000 teachers, but you have not many fathers. There is a difference between a leader and a teacher. And here's the problem. Here's the problem. America goes into its greatest crisis right now, and the ministers go silent. Why? Because many of them, they're not leaders. And they're not people who are worthy to be followed. I'm almost done. Do I have 10 more minutes? This is what I learned from George Barna. Five things. I'm going to give you five things right now. You might want to write them down. Most churches measure their success by these five things. These are powerful. Oh, powerful. You ready? Most churches measure their metrics for success are based on these five things in the United States of America. Are you ready? Number one, number one, drum roll, please. How many people show up? I call that butts in the seats. Number two, how much money they raise. Number three, how many programs they offer. Number four, how many staff they have. Number five, how much square footage did they build out? And you know what's just amazing? Jesus didn't die for any of those five things. Number one, how many people showed up? Number two, how much money they raised? Number three, how many programs they offered? Number four, how many staff they have? Number five, how much square footage they built out? So if the measure, if this is the measure of our church, if these are the five sacred keys that we hold to as our metrics for how we actually measure success in the church in America, I can tell you right now, brother, you are never, ever, ever going to say anything that's deemed controversial that would put in danger your five sacred cows.
That is why we are still having a mass exodus out of churches that have been masquerading for decades. You want me to be careful there, right? <laughs> careful, careful. We have to just stop passing along information in the church. We have to actually start making disciples who will become a living lifestyle of the word becomes flesh. See, Jesus in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jump down to verse 14. John writes, he says, and the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. What we are in dire need of, what America, what America is in dire need of is that the word, the living word of God, the Christ in you literally becomes flesh and you begin to walk out a lifestyle of not just being nice and sweet, good Christian, where God's just putting on gold stars on the fridge next to your face because you're so sweet and kind. No, 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 baby. It's that you start living a lifestyle where you start confronting the works of darkness. You can't get out of this. You can't get out of this. This is coming to your door. This is coming to your door. You have to get ready for what is coming. You have to get your house in order. You've got to know where you stand. You cannot be vacillating in this hour. You cannot be in the gray. Jesus said, I wish that you'd be either hot or cold. Don't you dare be lukewarm. I will spit you out of my mouth. Are you with me tonight? I'm going to need maybe a couple more minutes to finish. I want to say this again. God is going to raise up shepherds after his own heart that are going to become national deliverers. I believe that God's going to raise up churches that are going to become regional deliverers. I'm talking to you. Talking to you. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I'm talking to you. God wants to pour out His Spirit in such a visible unleashing of power to our region. May we be the people. May we be the people. The worldview of the United States of America is not going to change overnight. And that's why we have got to be committed for the long haul. I'm going to say that again. That's why you've got to be committed for the long haul. Somebody might need to write that down tonight. You need, to be, you need to be making a commitment in this for the long haul. For the long haul. America is in such desperate need of an awakened conscience. It's going to require revival and awakening, my friends. Your worldview is your operating system as a human being. It's of the utmost importance. Your worldview is the mechanics of what you need to make decisions in this life. It is your spiritual, it is your mental, it is your emotional, 
It is your intellectual filter, your worldview, your biblical worldview is your intellectual filter on how you approach everything in life and how you make decisions on who you will be and who you're not going to be, where you're going to go and where you're not going to go. Do you understand that? How you're going to respond, how you're not going to respond. Your worldview helps you figure this out. Who you really want to be, who you're not going to be. This goes back to what I was saying at the front of this train when God was calling me, when God called me into the ministry at 13 years of age. He was dealing with me at a tender, tender age. At 13, I, I, I was surrounded by mountains of pornography at, at a young, tender age. It, it, I had accessibility to it anywhere I wanted it at 13 years of age. And the Holy Spirit was courting me and calling me out Son, I want you to love me more than you love that. Can I really talk to you? I'm talking about God grabbing a hold of you and taking you out of the pig pen and the filth and saying, I want to show you my way is best. And if you will yield to me, if you will allow me to purify you and take you out of the filth, I will prove to you my way is best. my God, Jesus help us. Your worldview is going to decide your nature. Write this down. Your worldview is going to decide your nature and your identity. Thank you, Lord. I don't know if you're online. I don't know if you can hear that, but that, that thundering sounds really cool. Your worldview is going to decide your nature and your identity. And the real source of your values and your vision. Let me say it again. Your worldview is going to decide the nature of your identity. And the real source of your values and vision. Is society going to build and shape its life on the word of God? Then it's going to require us having a return. A true return to the heart of God. All the key choices that you and I make in life, it comes by your worldview. Thank you, Lord. My question to you tonight is, do you have a biblical worldview? Do you have a biblical worldview that is shaping these things tonight? That is shaping your conscience? Do you have a biblical worldview that is shaping your conscience that is deciding who you will be and who you will not be. I will, I, will, I will keep out of those places. This is where I will go. You'll hear a voice from behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Where the Lord will direct your course and your path down the royal path of righteousness. Will you let the Lord guide you in your own consciousness? Will you let a biblical worldview decide your choices and your convictions, your convictions? Sometimes, sometimes I wonder how many Christians even have convictions anymore. They just think it, it's, it's like a total free-for-all in 2021. It, they, it, they think it's a total free-for-all. The kingdom is not a free-for-all. The kingdom is true freedom and righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, and it comes through the delivering power of the Holy Ghost. That's where freedom comes from. Do you have a biblical worldview that will decide your morals? 
your pillars where you will be unwavering? Or will you be an individual in this hour like many Christians? That you're just blown like a reed in the wind. You'll go in any direction, any direction that everybody else is going to go. Oh, with all my heart, I pray to God that will never be your story. And I'm just about there. We are called the Ecclesia. And the Ecclesia is the church that Jesus is building. This is Matthew 16, if this is new to you. This is Matthew 16, where he says, I will build my Ecclesia, this Greek word. It means a governmental authority power that will legislate the will of God in the earth. That's literally what it means. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Behold, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven that whatever you forbid in the earth is already forbidden in heaven. What you permit in the earth is already permitted in heaven. This is the, these are the words of Jesus. So we have this very stupid, absurd idea today that I've had many people tell me, well, Brother Gibbs, you can't legislate morality. That's garbage. Brother Gibbs, you can't, you can't legislate morality. Well, then how in the world is it that you can legislate immorality? Did you get that? Now, I know that morality comes from the innermost parts of a man. But our legislation is an evil, corrupt system in this hour that is writing and codifying laws of total immorality. We got some wind whipping. We got stuff happening. I'm watching stuff outside. I'm going to wrap it up in a few minutes. <laughs> All right. Lord, help me finish this message strong. The Lord, the Lord is speaking. The Lord is speaking in this place. Help me finish this message strong right now. Here's my encouragement to you in this hour, folks. Have a revival and a return to the Word of God. Open your Bible and let the Holy Spirit be your teacher. Open your Bible and let the Holy Spirit be your teacher. What is He going to do? He's going to teach you morality. He's going to teach you culture. He's going to teach you society. He's going to teach you sexuality. He's going to teach you family. He's going to teach you marriage. He's going to teach you leadership. All from God's perspective. I had a thought, and I'm about to close. I know I said that 10 minutes ago. I had a thought, the law rewards those who do what is right. That's Bible. That's Romans 13. The law rewards those who do what is right. But the law punishes those who abuse it. I'm almost there. The law penalizes those who abuse it. Put this way, and I'm about to close. We are living in a time where the things that are being taught from the pulpits across America is a false grace that is leading people into the flames of hell. You better be very careful. You better guard your heart with all diligence. You better watch, as Paul wrote Timothy, you better watch over your doctrine carefully. You better watch what you believe in this hour. 
you got to make sure you filter and judge things through the grid of the Word of God so, so that you're not just carelessly going down a path where, of what everyone else is believing. I'm telling you, there are levels of deception that are coming into the church. I mean, it's crazy what we are seeing. Entire denominations are bowing down to a perverted agenda. Entire denominations are bowing down to these false gods, these perverted gods. And it's truly what it is. It's not just an agenda. It's not just a movement. These are devils that demand your worship. They're just like Satan himself. I will. I will exalt myself above the Most High. I will be worshipped just like the Most High. These demon gods will stop at nothing. They are demanding your allegiance and they are demanding your worship. We're in an epic time before the return of Jesus, before the Maranatha, before the bride and the bridegroom consummate this marriage. I'm telling you, we're coming to the greatest time of human history, of the greatest divine confrontation where the spirit of Elijah moves on an entire generation and we confront the powers of Baal and we confront the powers of Jezebel. We confront these powers. Hallelujah! This is our time to lose the victory and the triumph of Jesus over all the works of the devil. How are you going to do it? With the word of God burning in your belly like fire. Because you made this your life. How are we going to do it? Because we had somebody famous lay hands on us in an altar and now we're ready? Not on your life. You get this burning inside of you. You let the Word, you let the Word become flesh in you. You let the Word become alive in you. Then when you open up your mouth, you've got heaven backing you. You've got angel armies moving with you. Greater is He that is within you than he that is in the world. There is more with us than against us. Whew. I gotta end somewhere. Cody, would you come? Yeah, I know. More Lord is right. I feel like I could preach another hour. I want to go back to the front of this train for just a moment before we close. God said, I see a wayward, broken. People, I see a nation rebelling against me. I see a nation in corrupt idolatry. I see a nation, my Israel, my Judah, I see them. They are backsliding. They are offering sacrifices to alien deities. They are going up into the high places of the mountains. They are going underneath every green tree and placing their stones and their allegiance to demon gods. And God says... I'm telling you, return to me. I'm calling you back to me. Return to me. And he said what? Not with pretense, but with your whole heart. With your whole heart. We can't be like an Esau generation that we think we can just weep bitterly with tears and everything's going to be all right. The, the scripture says, the scripture says, 
Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. That is one of the most sobering verses in all the scripture. Why did God hate Esau? Because he wept bitterly with with tears, but he refused to change. And we are in the midst of a generation that they'll cry all the tears, but when it comes down to brass tacks of repentance, of repentance, turning from your sin and coming completely unto the Lord, something totally foreign, it seems, to this generation. That's going to change. That's going to change. That's going to change, Shane. That's going to change, Nate. It's changing. And it's going to require a real word from the Lord to break in on this generation. Not this silly fluff stuff that we're preaching over pulpits throughout the country. It's going to be a divine confrontation, really, too, against the flesh. And the works of the flesh, even into the church. The Lord is very serious right now about cleaning house. About getting holy. About getting pure. Are you hearing me? The Lord is very serious. Why? Because He's coming for a bride. He is coming for a bride. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Tonight, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you will. I I hardly ever say that to you. You know I don't. I I want you to just search your heart with the Holy Spirit and know that the Holy Spirit has you and He loves you. But tonight, if you need to get things right with God, you know who you are. You need a cleansing. You need a cleansing. You need a cleansing fire of the Holy Spirit working in your life. You know there's things that need to be burned out. I want you to get out of your chair and get in these altars quickly. If that's you, you know it. That's you. I want you to come quickly. i got to give this invitation. You've got things burning in, inside of you in your heart. The Lord is saying, give it to me. Find a place at this altar tonight. Find a place at this altar. Turn it over to the Lord. Turn it over to the Lord. Renounce it. Repent of it. Break all allegiances to it. Repent of it. Repent of it. Break all allegiances to it and let the love of God and the Father saturate you and cleanse you tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I want our prayer team to just prepare yourself. Now, what's beautiful is the Holy Spirit is cleansing. Isn't this wonderful? This is wonderful. This is our family. This is what it's about. It's about getting right with God. It's about walking holy before the Lord. It's about walking and living in the fear of the Lord. This is what it's about, guys. This is beautiful. It's wonderful. And it's where we all need to be. Lord, I thank you for the power of your blood that delivers. Power of your blood that frees. Oh, Lord, thank you for cleansing tonight. Let your love flow like a river over my brothers, over my sisters right now. Cleanse and free and heal tonight. The anointing destroys the yoke of bondage. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we just bless what you're doing right now in these altars and give them more. Give them more. Give them more. 
want to give a call tonight. If the Lord has been doing something fresh in you this last year and a half throughout all of this chaos and turmoil, and you're a man and you're a woman that is saying, I want to be raised up by God. I want to become the leader that he has predestined me to be. I want to be that man. I want to be a voice for God. I want you to stand to your feet tonight. I want some of our prayer team just to come up, come around the backs of these and just lay your hands on them right now. Those on our prayer team, just, just lay your hands on them. God is moving. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Guys, look this way. A few more, a few more moments. Isn't it awesome for such a time as this? God has put us in each other's life for this final chapter. This chapter means everything in your book. This chapter means everything in your book and in my book. We are going to move into the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit the earth has ever seen beyond our wildest imaginations, beyond anything we can ever comprehend, we're entering into the greatest days. And I'm going to say to you again confidently, there is righteous judgment and justice coming to the wicked of America. And there is great rejoicing coming to the righteous. Things are turning. Things are turning. Things are going to be uncovered and unveiled for all to see. God is going to answer the prayers that we have been pregnant with and that we have been carrying, that we have been decreeing for years, that we've been saying in intercession back to the throne of God where He is filling the bowls in heaven. This continual burning of intercession that's been happening within us, God, our Father, is going to answer these prayers. Lift your hands all over the place. Hallelujah. Lord, we receive tonight fresh oil. Holy Spirit, pour fresh oil. Pour fresh oil, Holy Spirit. Pour fresh fire, Holy Spirit. Fresh fire, fresh oil. Courage and boldness. I say, Lord, awaken the watchman. Awaken the intercessor. Awaken the watchman of this hour, God. Awaken us, oh God, for this hour. Let your church be burning in Sarasota. Let your church be awakened and alive in Sarasota. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you feel a burning of the Holy Spirit on you? Can you just 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 go like that? Yeah. Yeah, oh my gosh, yeah. I the Lord, I, I've been struggling like preaching tonight because I have I'm feeling a fire, fire on me tonight. I'm gonna need a couple ushers to help me quickly. 
If you want more fire, I want you to come up here and line up. I'm going to pray for you. And I don't often do this. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray. Well, I'm just going to pray for you. Just line up right here. I'm going to need a couple ushers, a couple men to stay with me. And I'm going to pray for the fire of the Lord to come upon you. Hallelujah. Can somebody just sow a breathman into my life? I'm just calling in a breathman into my destiny right now. In Jesus' name. I feel it. It's coming. I feel it. There it is. There it is. The Lord answered. I'm going to need a couple couple ushers to help me. Those of you online, we're going to end up dismissing whenever we dismiss. We love you. Thank you for being with us. Cody, um, just go where the Lord has you to go. Ushers, I'm going to start over on this side. I'm going to start right over here. Okay? Now listen. I hardly ever do this where I open up the altar and I pray for everybody that wants prayer. But I'm telling you, I feel strong fire on me tonight. It's not about me. It's about the king. It's about the Lord. Don't get your eyes on me. Don't get your eyes on me. Keep them on the Lord. Keep them on the Lord. Father, I pray a fresh baptism of fire. Fire. Holy fire and glory upon your people tonight. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for an impartation of your heart, an impartation of awakening of holy things, an awakening of sacred things of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, that Lord, when I lay my hands upon them, that there will be a powerful impartation of awakening tonight. In Jesus' name. Everybody just take a step forward, if you will. Yeah, just a step forward. All right. Don't get your eyes on Brian. Keep him on the Lord tonight. Amen. You know what? Look at me. It's not about if you fall down. It's about receiving. God could stick you to the ceiling tonight for all I care. It's not about falling down. It's about receiving fire. More fire, Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com or download the Victory FLA app.